Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mac, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 112 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it across the screen to my good friend, Nick Manella. What's going on, buddy? What's going on is I got a big old silo of Bush Larry, and I'm ready to talk some hockey, boys. Some would say a cartoonish-sized mug in your possession. If you know, then you know. And I am going to toss it off to my other co-host up in Wisconsin, Mac Vogel. What's going on, buddy? Loving the jersey. What's up? Thank you. Yeah, this one, it's pretty funny. I'm the only one on this podcast that did not go to Towson, but I, uh, I'm rocking <laughs> the, the Towson alum jersey right now. Nick, so. I can't see yours. Hang it's on, the it OV Dynamo Moscow one from Russia, and it's signed twice. By who? Putin. Who, who do you think? OV signed it twice? Yeah. Why'd you get it to sign him twice? So I actually had a, it was like a friend of a friend who was like buddies with his parents. So he took it to the house. Ovi signs it once and was like, I don't like how that one came out. So he just signed it again. That's fucking awesome. That's, That's pretty, pretty great. cool. Yeah. Still well, signed twice though. Still got it twice. They don't ask how, they ask how many. <laughs> exactly. Well, we've been on three fucking Zoom calls at this point in the evening. So we're going to get rolling right into it. Uh, but before we do, we just want to let you know that you can use the discount code EB10 to get 10% off your merch on our store. Go to www.emptybetters.com and click on shop to take you to the store, or you can find it in our social media bios. We also want to let you know that our interview guest for this episode is Emily Morris. We just wrapped up an interview with her. She's a two-time NCAA champion at the University of Wisconsin Women's Hockey in 2006 and 2007 hell of an interview appreciate her coming on that will be in the middle of the episode for you guys uh question of the day a little trivia action in honor of yarmir yager's 50th birthday today on february 15th fellas i got some for you guys in honor of yags's 50th i'm gonna ask you a little a couple trivia questions how many rocket richard trophies did yager win in the NHL, in his NHL career? Zero. I'm going to say five. The correct answer is zero. He never won a goal scoring title in his entire career, which is wild. And he's third all time in goals. Isn't that kind of nuts? It's nuts. And then you sort of like it sort of makes sense when you think about who was playing at the same time. But yeah, it is kind of crazy to think that a player who's played that long and has scored that many goals didn't win a scoring or a Rocket Richard. He came second two different times. I believe one was is either both the late 90s or one was late 90s. One was early 2000. One of the years he had like 30 something. That makes sense. I think one year I read he had 64 and he still wow. came in second. But I think uh, I think Mr. Mario or Mr. Gretzky might have had a, a word about that. Uh, fun fact, just while we're talking to those three, uh, from 1981 to the year 2000, which is a 20 season span, there were only three different Art Ross winners. Art Ross trophies awarded to the player with the most points at the end of the regular season. Those three players would go by the name of Yager, Gretzky, and Mario. 
absolutely nuts. That's a stat. That is crazy. Just two decades see- of dominance, pretty much. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, here's my second trivia question to you guys. What jersey number did Yager wear other than number 68 in his NHL career? Letter A, 6, option B, 8, option C, 86, or option D, none of the above? I'm going to say none of the above. I'm going to go with 86. The correct answer is D, none of the above. And fun fact, nobody in the NHL wore 68 before Yarmir Yager, and I don't think anybody's worn it since he left. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. That's Mac, we did that um, count to 100 using NHL numbers, and I guarantee you right. someone said Yager for um, 68. I can't yeah. think of anyone else. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any others. So I know for a fact he was the first one to wear it. I just don't know if he's the last one. But I'm going to say the Penguins retired his number, correct? I believe so. Yes. I'm sure somebody else has worn 68 for like you know a small period of time at the very least. But I just can't think of anybody major right now. Yeah, it would have to be in the last like six years, um, I think. So we'll see. Uh, last thing, which is just insane to say this out loud, and I don't even know how this is possible, but. He is in his 34th season of professional NHL hockey between NHL and Europe combined. So kind of nuts. 50 uh, years old. Yeah. He said he wanted to play to 50 and I'll be damned if he didn't do it. But uh, yeah, congrats to Yogs on uh, 50 great years and here's to many more. Don't know how much longer he's going to be playing, but. Oh, he's got another fine. 50 in the tank. This guy's got it. Easy. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl recap. Are we doing a Super Bowl recap? Yeah, we had the Super Bowl this past weekend. You know, got to talk about the big game. Football's over for the year. It's always like so sad when you reach AFC, NFC Championship weekend and you're like, wow, shit, there's three football games left in this season. It's just the worst. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts on the game. You know, what did you do for the game? What was the menu? I saw Mac, you had a stellar lineup of food and beer. Um, Yeah, tell me about your Super Bowl experiences. So, yeah, we had a good one here in Milwaukee. We hosted, me and my roommate, we hosted a little party with uh, a lot of our close friends. There's probably about 15 or so of us here. Um, but, yeah, we had a lot of great stuff on the menu, food and drink-wise. We did chili chili cheese dogs uh, to start out. And then my buddy Jacob uh, actually cooked up some incredible crispy chicken sandwiches, although he made them into sliders so that Oof. he could make like more of them and that more people could have them. Fuck me up. Um, but seriously, he probably made like 30 of these little like chicken sliders and he hand breaded all the chicken. He handmade this like honey hot sauce, <sighs> basically just like Tabasco and honey with a couple other little secret ingredients and just like doused the chicken in that once it came out of the oven and then put them on the little Hawaiian rolls toothpick through it with a pickle in it boom done amazing way better than chick-fil-a or like any restaurant grade chicken sammy i've ever had he killed it wow Uh, and then at halftime we had the vogel family recipe nachos uh when i was growing up my dad always did like this special thing where he takes bean dip and spreads it on each chip individually and then sprinkles, sprinkles cheese on top of it all and puts in the oven for like 10 minutes. It's a super easy snack, but super good. So we did that for halftime. Uh, and then beers. We had a lot of, a lot of Dos Equis, 
a big variety pack of Sam Adams, a big variety pack of uh, something else. I can't even remember what it was called, but they were all really cool cans and it was all delicious. Uh, and then a lot of Miller Lite. So the food and drink was good. Thought the game was good. I'm glad the Rams won. Happy for Stafford. Happy for Darnold. Happy for Cooper Cup. Uh, Bengals suck. Ravens are better forever. I don't care. Amen. Call, baby. That's my Super Bowl recap. <laughs> Amen. I myself had a decent spread. Uh, shout out to Layla. Excellent buffalo chicken dip per usual. Never misses on that. Um, wings. God, I always have wings, in my opinion, at a Super Bowl party. That's an absolute must. Little mac and cheese action, I think. Can't remember. It was a long one. Uh, basically was just tasting sour beers for the entire night because her entire family just loves to do taste testing. They, they go to the little uh, Total Wine or Lighthouse Liquors in the Baltimore area. You can mix and match all the sours and get your own four-pack. They love to do that kind of stuff. So it was a good time overall. Now the game, the important part. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you have zero – you have zero uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to be polite here. You have zero reason to complain about that Logan Wilson holding call in the fourth quarter after – was it T. Higgins? Face masked. Yeah. Face masked blatantly Jalen Ramsey on the opening touchdown of yeah, the second 12 half. 12 seconds into the second half. And, and, and let, might I add, that play was an – was a game changer. It changed the it whole momentum of the game. I had 100%. a I had a buddy who's not even like a huge fan of either team, but he's a huge football fan and just like loves the sport. And he was heated up for the rest of the game after that play, just being like, there's going to be an asterisk next to this one if the Bengals win. That's all I'm saying. Like after every play, he was like, this is just bullshit. Like he was yeah. back there just like pounding beers. I don't even want to watch anymore. Literally. And every, <laughs> like it got to the point where everybody was like, Oh, come on, give it up. Like you're, you're just miserable back there, but I was eating it up. I thought it was hilarious. And I was right there with him. Honestly, I thought it was total bullshit. I'm going to say one thing <sighs> that was payback for the NFC championship game. Rams saints, the botch pass interference call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dude, I'm sorry, but you can't complain as a Bengals fan about that fourth quarter holding on third and goal when you literally got a free touchdown to start the second half. The refs basically gave a touchdown to each team, if you really think about it. You lost the fucking game. I'm sorry. And maybe I'm being a little biased here because I can't stand the Bengals or Joe Burr. I can't stand that shit. Anybody who puts it on Twitter, it just drives me nuts. Um, Joe Shiesty. No, none of that. Like you, you wear one gold Nike chain and all of a sudden it's Joe Burr. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. But <laughs> anyways, it was a good game overall. I'm really happy for Aaron Donald. Um, I think, I mean, obviously Stafford too, he suffered in Detroit a long time and, you know, his wife and kids just look so happy in the stands, but um, Aaron Donald, especially I think was, was the guy I was rooting for the most. Uh, in terms of betting that game, if you didn't have Rams over three and a half sacks, I don't know what you were smoking. That was probably the easiest bet of the game. Uh, I think they tied the Super Bowl record with seven for most sacks in a Super Bowl. Mac, you want to jump in? Oh, yeah. I had another really easy money bet. Um, I saw this one online early morning on Super Bowl and jumped all over it. 
uh, over five and a half rush yards for Stafford. I know he's really not a, a rushing QB, but that's one scramble, and that's exactly what it was. I third play of the game. One. Yep, yeah. hammered that one. Third play of the game, he had a little seven-yard scramble. Boom, done, money in the bank. I also did a separate one where I parlayed that with Cooper Cup anytime tutty and didn't have to sweat that one out at all either. So. Oh, that was all. Yeah, so I had – the sacks, I had a teaser of over 42 and a half and Rams plus one and a half. That was obviously easy. I was sweating a little bit, though, not going to lie near yeah. the end there. Uh, and then OBJ, I'm, I've am i never been a big OBJ guy, but for some reason this year I was, like, getting behind it. I was like, okay, I'm 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 going to root for him. Like, this is – he. he's been through a lot. He's been on a bunch of teams. He's getting up there in age now. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll root for this. I had him for anytime tutty at plus 110, and then I had him for two tutties at plus 600. If he didn't get hurt, I feel like that last play yeah. at a cup would have been OBJ instead. I feel like that's a design play for him. I saw that on Twitter that they had thrown that exact same play like within a five-yard line to him like three times already this season. So sucks to see him go down. He's going to miss you know a decent chunk of next year already. Yeah, my one hindsight bet, and you know, it's always easier to say this stuff afterwards, but I was looking at MVP prop bets before the game, and I kind of knew. I mean, Cooper Cup, he was on my fantasy team all year. I know what this dude's capable of. I knew he was going to be the MVP of this game, especially if the Rams won. I should have laid a little something on that, but either way, turned you out. You want to know what drove me nuts? There was a prop that was. Um, any player that's not a quarterback to throw a touchdown. Pass I saw that and, and, and cup threw a pass to Stafford at one point and yeah. uh, well, it wasn't it, threw it was incomplete, but air mailed oh, him completely. Oh, but yeah. yeah, Joe Mixon threw a touchdown. That's He's a running back. Forgot about that. Yeah. That was plus I, 1200. I was, yeah, losing. I saw that. That's funny. I'd also like to, um, I know you shouted out Aaron Donald as someone that you wanted to win. I'd like to send a shout out to someone that I've actually met and had the pleasure of serving when I was in the restaurant industry. Eric Weddle comes out of retirement, former Raven, awesome, awesome guy. Um, You know, five months or five weeks ago, he was coaching his son's Pop Warner team. Now he's a Super Bowl champion. You know, it's just, it's so cool to see stories like that. Also, a couple hilarious bets that existed for the Super Bowl that I just want to rattle off real quick, and then we can move on. Uh, you were able to place bets on as many ridiculous things, such as the color of Eminem's hair during the uh, halftime show, which, by the way, he kept the hood on the whole time, so I don't know how they scored that. Uh, <laughs> two, you could have bet on the color of Snoop Dogg's shoes. They were white. Uh, but they had like every different color in there. Like you could have chosen like pink, purple, red, green, orange. Like they had everything in there with different odds. Uh, there was a bet that was like, will Mary J. Blige show cleavage or not? <laughs> and, and me and my friend were looking at that and we're, and it specifically said on there, bookkeeper's decision is final. And we're right. like, you know what? That's so subjective. What if she comes out? And my, my friend was like, what if she comes out wearing just like stickers but nothing else that's not yeah. cleavage right i was like i don't want to get into it but yeah you know i i actually don't think it would have hit because like the shirt <laughs> she had on was like kind of revealing but not really in that one specific area like how do you judge that exactly it's it's ridiculous the kind it's of not bets. like it's football where you pull out the sticks and measure like i guarantee you they can't right. do that so yeah, no, the kind of bets that you can make for the Super Bowl are always pretty entertaining. So those are just a couple funny ones I saw. But it was a uh, it's a good game overall, I would say. 
Yeah, the last thing I'd like to point out is that football announcers are the fucking worst. Hockey announcers are the fucking best. Here's a great example. If a goalie has not let in a goal going into the third period, you will not hear anyone on the broadcast mention the word shutout because they know that goalies are superstitious. Hockey players in general are very superstitious. They don't want to jinx him. McPherson comes out for his first kick for the Bengals. And the first thing out of Al Michaels mouth is he's 12 for 12 in the playoffs and four for four (laughs) in game winning scenarios. I'm like, buddy, are you fucking kidding me? Like just let the kid kick. And then you can say all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Say it afterwards. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, quick question. Was that Michaels and Collinsworth last broadcast together? I don't they, know the answer to that, but but people at my party were asking the same question as it was closing out. Because they, they, they had said like one last time, partner, and I didn't know if they meant for the season or for good. I mean, I, I, mean, this I think is if Al Michaels was retiring, they would have done something. Yeah, I would think so. I, I don't know. I mean, with Tariko kind of up and coming there at NBC, I didn't know what their uh, what their goal was. But I was just curious if either of you guys knew the answer to that. But uh, we can move on and get into the hockey portion of the episode. But before we do, just want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel, made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, brackish life. Nick, before I give you the news, the biggest news of the day, our my boy, Sid. The Daytona 500 is this weekend, you're right. Oh, yeah, no, we'll get into that in a little bit. Don't you worry about that. My boy, Sid, just scored his 500th career goal. Congratulations to my idle childhood hero whatever cheesy phrase you want to use nothing better than him getting his 500th against the philadelphia flyers assisted by his wingman for the last 15 years of getty malkin just want to give a special congratulations to sid good for you good future guest of the podcast hopefully (laughs) could you imagine we get crosby i would I don't even know what I would do. I, I would don't. have to tape you to a table. to. <laughs> you would have to have like an electric shock chair yeah. every time I want to ask a question. Drive but... over to his house, pre-pod, tape him up, drive yeah. back, set up his webcam. Neutral site. Like I've got yeah. my buddy from the Secret Service coming in to do yeah. background checks yeah. on you, all that, you know, just to make sure you don't like accidentally take him home. Sounds about right. That game's going on as we're recording right now. 2-1 pens. Let's see how that ages. But uh, Nick, I'm going to toss it off to you for the rest of the non-penguins bias news yeah absolutely so first thing i want to start with we've got a couple women's hockey things to get to uh cami granada we were actually just talking about her uh with emily as you guys will hear in a little bit is being named the assistant gm of the vancouver canucks so if you don't know who cami granado is please you know move out of that rock you're living under but uh you know she's currently a member of the u.s international and hockey hall of fames Olympic gold 98 in Nagano, silver 02 in Salt Lake City, world championship gold 05 in Sweden, eight silver medals in the world championships. Uh, She had been previously working as a scout for the Seattle Kraken this season. And fun fact, she's married to former NHL star and current between the glass legend, Ray Ferraro. Very cool and big congratulations to her. Um, You know, I think what the the Canucks are doing specifically Rutherford is a 
a solid move and definitely one that's paving the way for the future. Yeah, this was awesome to hear about. I, I heard them talking about it on the Olympic broadcast when I was watching one of the women's games uh, a couple days back. But yeah, super exciting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the PWHA, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, or, you know, whatever that abbreviates to, is going to play four games of the 2021-2022 Secret Dream Gap Tour at MedStar Capitals Iceplex in Arlington, Virginia from March 4th to 6th. The Capitals announced this this past Monday. So these games are going to be part of the Caps PWPHA showcase at their training facility that includes these clinics for local players, a couple players doing instruction with the younger kids, uh, players and coaches involved in the Caps Youth Hockey Development Program uh, from March 3 to 5th. This is awesome. I think this is great to not only do the clinics ahead of these games, but to have these games there at MedStar um, where there will be, you know, people in the stands that can go and watch this. I think the, you know, what women's hockey is doing with this format is fantastic. And, um, I I'm actually like, I'm going, you know, if you guys want to come with, I'm going to go try and see a bunch of these games. I'd be super down. It sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I would be, uh, I would be down to maybe catch a couple of these. So I think it's an awesome move yet again for women's hockey and good stuff to see. Yeah. I don't know if we can go and start like taking bets. Um, we'll have to see if our book has that up, but uh, you know, TV we can always, we can be odds makers. For we, we cannot be odds makers. <laughs> what did I ask you? Oh, Oh, this uh, is good. This is good. Oh, so Mac, you'll laugh at this. I was going back and forth with, uh, I'll keep it anonymous. I was going back and forth with an alumni association for a school. And uh, <laughs> I was telling Nick, I was like, Hey, like, we should go to the, some of these games for this school. And he was like, yeah, like, when is it? Blah, blah, blah. And we were just chatting. And I said, to make it interesting, like, we should, like, bet on the games. And uh, the school is not for um, adults. I'll put it that way. And <laughs> I go, do you think that's legal? Like, could we, like, wager on these games? Like, we could be odds makers and, like, people could pay us to, like, set the odds bookies yeah yeah and (laughs) i mean i guess i didn't think anything of it if it's cash only maybe there's no harm no foul but nick was like no dude that's that makes it worse yeah yeah it does make it worse um so and this is gonna be our last episode because we're getting (laughs) audited by the irs now yeah um like four black suvs just rolled up outside my house i have no idea why but um oops moving on Marty St. Louis has been named the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. He is their interim head coach. I think it's worth pointing out. So they got rid of Dominic Ducharme, who took them to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, Marty states that he's got no intentions of being there for a cup of coffee. He wants to stay and become the full-time coach after being the interim head coach. I think it's worth noting here that uh, the Habs have yet to win a game since he took over. All right. Let's uh, let's chat about my favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I think this is a great hire. I really do. For a guy who's, you know, beat the odds his entire career from, you know, his size, his drafts and everything. I, I fully believe that Marty St. Louis can be a very capable coach in the NHL. Um, this year, obviously a write-off. I would probably put next year as a write-off. So now you're talking about his third year or second and a half year, however you want to phrase it, where they might actually be able to be competitive and they don't have, a, we don't know what's going to happen with Carey Price, by the way. So that's another huge thing in this, but um, I just feel like he's not going to get a 
fair shake because Montreal is a demanding market. They're not in a position to be competitive in the immediate future. They're probably going to be sellers at the deadline and their franchise goaltender who takes up like 10 and a half million of cap might never play again. So I just think Marty's in a bad situation. It's definitely a bad situation now, but I think, aren't they going to have, and we'll touch on this a little bit later when we get to housekeeping, but aren't they going to have like three picks in the first round of this upcoming draft? I was going to say, I, I kind of want to wait to really comment on what I think his potential with the team is until after this trade deadline, even I think might, might have some more knowledge after yeah. that, just to see if they kind of gain any future prospects or pieces, how much of the, you know, how much of a fire sale goes on this year and how much is waiting till the off season or until next year. There's a lot up in the air, but either way on paper, you know, Marty St. Louis, is your coach, you're doing something right. Hopefully. Yeah. Especially in Montreal where everyone loves him too. Uh, Dave Tippett has been fired by the Edmonton Oilers and Jay Woodcroft will be his replacement. This is McDavid's fourth coach in seven years. It's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 12th coach in 11 years, which is just ridiculous to think about. I mean, that is terrible. Uh, Woodcroft was promoted from the AHL's Bakersfield Condors to take over this role. Uh, I think we all knew this one was coming at some point with the way that that team has performed this season. What do you guys think about this move? Oof. Uh, did you guys by chance see the press conference from Ken Holland after the move was made? He basically said, like, it's not really Tip's fault. We just have to make a change, which yeah. I kind of think says it all because, you know, this, you hear a lot of guys say, oh, we need we needed a new guy to lead. The voice, the, the old voice got old. None of that in this one. Uh, tip, I think this is Tip. It's like, what, second season behind the bench? Am I great? Am I losing my mind? Um, it. it you know, I don't think this is going to solve the Oilers' problems. They are 2-0 since the firing, but I agree with what Max said last episode. It's just like, this is kind of a yawn for me. Like, there's so much drama in this team. It's insane. And I just feel like they're not going to get anywhere as a result of this. No, and that's why when we were talking about it in the group chat, I texted you guys and said, like, I would be fine not talking about this team for the rest of the season just because I'm so fed up with it. I mean – it's obviously not the band-aid that's going to fix this team, but you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. The drama is getting old. I totally agree with you. That's why I yawned at it last week. I'm yawning at it again right now, but I think that, you know, this team is not going to make the playoffs. I said that already. Moving on. Moving on, Jack Eichel is set to make his Vegas Golden Knights debut today, the day you will be listening to this, Wednesday, February 16th, against the Colorado Avalanche. Who's excited? Very happy for Jack. Very happy for Jack. However, and this is going to be unpopular, and we'll get into some of the injuries here in a little bit, I am a known liability when it comes to betting on games that have, like, big meaning for people, like – you know, fresh off a coach firing, a player's return, a player going back to a arena where he used to be home. Right? 500th like, goal, you know, stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Keep it keep rolling here. I do not think Vegas is going to win that game, if we're going to be honest. I could be wrong. Colorado plays yesterday, when you're listening to this, against the Dallas Stars. We'll see how that game goes. It hasn't started here yet as we're recording. So Colorado will be on the back-to-back. 
I wonder what an Eichel goal prop would look like. A lot of books won't have it because there's that classic thing where it's like sometimes the guy doesn't appear on the sheet for for betting until he played the previous game or whatever. But or your book just won't let you bet players to score goals. But that too, that's another one that always happens. Yeah, that's one that I hate. You know, or they list like four players because those are the only hockey players they know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Jackie Boy's gonna be back uh, tonight when you're listening to this. So. Congrats to Eichel, and I bet T-Mobile is going to be absolutely buzzing. For sure. Uh, Another place that was absolutely buzzing was Boston University after they knocked off three-time defending champs Northeastern to capture the 69th Beanpot Championship. Nice. Uh, Dylan Peterson scored with just under three minutes remaining to give the Terriers a 1-0 win. That's their first win since 2015, and I want to point out something. That's the longest drought that any of the four teams that compete in that tournament has ever had. That's pretty wild. Also pretty impressive. Shows you the uh, the uh, parity that is in that tournament year to year. So, yeah, saw a couple highlights of that. It looked incredible. looked awesome. Uh, yeah. I can't think of anything better than that tournament, to be honest with you. Absolutely. It's one of the most electric college sports atmospheres you will ever see. Um, from one Boston star to another, let's talk about Brad Marchand, uh, a fan favorite on this podcast. Um, I know Aunt Vicky is, you know, getting warmed <laughs> up for this one because we all know what she thinks about Marshy. But uh, he suspended six games for high sticking Penguins goaltender Tristan Jari last week. Harry, I'm going to you first. Uh, um, all right. So. I had a lot of people hitting me up right as this happened. Like, what the fuck? Like, how does no one jump him? What's wrong with your team? Blah, blah, blah. And at first I was like, okay, we were winning the game. There was like 21 seconds left. Nobody wants to take a penalty. It was Crosby, Russ, Gensel, Latang, And I think it might've been Dumoulin out there. So none of the guys you want in the box. Granted, we were up by two with 20 seconds left. So it should be in the bag. At the time, I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, he didn't – it wasn't really that – like, he's just being annoying. There's no need to beat the shit out of him. And then the highlight kept happening. And then I got kept – I kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and my blood started to boil, and everybody was like, no, the Penguins should have beat him up, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm going to say that it is blasphemous that we didn't have anybody even fucking push him. I mean – you know, maybe not drop the gloves, but at least give him a face wash or stick him in the balls or something. Like, <laughs> God, it kind of pissed me off. And one of those fuck, two, you don't fuck with someone's goaltender like that. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning here. Martian passed Chris Pronger for the most suspensions in NHL history with this. He's now up to eight suspensions in his career all time. Six most games. individual suspensions. I think. Most- um Yes. Games amount. I don't know who holds that. I would assume Rafi Torres or someone because he had like that 45 game sussy. Right. Yeah. So was this action worth six games? No, but the history, obviously, you're going to get slammed. But he's a little piece of shit. I, I think it too. It'd yeah. I think it was like worth six games. You think? I think yeah, I said like when I was talking with my dad about this and it was right before the PTI guys started to talk about it, um, which was just so entertaining as always. Um, <laughs> I was like, it has to be five or more, I think, because he punched the goalie in the back of the head while Jari's not looking at him, kneeling down like. That's not what he got suspended for, though. No, and then the swinging of the stick is the one that I think really did it. I think if he had just punched right. him, probably not. But the swinging of the stick is what does it. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, in terms of the Penguins going after him, the guy makes a living. All I'll say about it is the guy makes a living of getting you mad and then you hit him and then you're in the box. That's yeah. that's very fair. And I I think it's the fact there was 20 seconds left in the game and they were up by two where people were like, what the fuck do you have to lose? Yeah. But you never know, I guess. I don't know. Mac, what do you I, think? Well, I also think that, like, had this been something that happened in, like, the middle of the crease, a bunch of players are around, and, like, Jari gave a jab back to him or something, we're looking at maybe even no suspension, a couple penalties to each team, whatever. But the fact that he just, like, kind of came out of nowhere, clocks him on the head blindside, later swings a stick at it, like, I don't know what this dude ate for breakfast that day, but even for Marshan, like I was kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like the dude's been in the NHL for however long now. And you can't like, you can't figure out how to carry yourself at that point. Like it's, it's, it's embarrassing, honestly. Like I, I, if I'm the Bruins or like a Bruins fan, I like, I don't know how to fucking defend this guy at this point. It's like, yeah, there's Jack Edwards does. Yeah. Oh right. my God. Did you hear the commentary of that? I can't even listen to it anymore. I've told you guys if I watch Bruins games, it's on mute, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to choose the other broadcast. Absolutely. It was uh, as biased as you could possibly imagine. It oh today. my God. It's like, are we watching the same thing, dude? Like, it, like knowing him, he would have been like, oh man, Jari just skated into the back of Marshan's fist. Like, right. It was kind of like that, to be honest. Yeah. Anyways, moving on, wild forward Marcus Felino has been suspended for two games for kneeing Adam Lowry of the Winnipeg Jets. Wild game. Not sure if you guys caught that one. Like two fights going on at the same time. Just complete gong show. Saw the fights, did not, to be honest, didn't see the incident, but uh, definitely saw the fights. That one kind of made its rounds on the internet. It's worth it. I mean, you know, Felino does play on the edge. We all know that, but. You know, in a knee-on-knee situation, you know, we saw this with Orlov. It's it's just, I think it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. The Yotes. Hmm. That thing <laughs> we talked about last week, uh, their new home for the next three years is going to be Arizona State University. Uh, so the team awaits for approval on their new proposed arena in Tempe. Uh, and as we mentioned a few episodes ago, this facility is going to have 5,000 seats making it without a doubt the most bizarre, consistent NHL venue we have ever seen. And it's also going to be the smallest in NHL history. I saw there was a video that went around of them doing construction in the rink. And it's like, it's, it's pretty small looking. It's vacant. <laughs> and Noah hockey stick emoji tweeted. He retweeted the video and he wrote, I think the coffee aisle in Costco is bigger than this arena. <laughs> and I... <laughs> fucking lost it best page on twitter for me uh, honestly it's awesome um, <laughs> but yeah it's a it's definitely gonna be a weird one there's, there's been a lot of good tweets about it actually like there was somebody who tweeted a picture of like the uh this tiny little like it's basically like a puddle that froze over like <laughs> in the winter time and it was like a look at like the coyotes new rink or whatever. Like people are yeah. like getting smaller and smaller things. Be <laughs> like this is basically where they're going to be playing next year. Ready so, for this? Oh God. What? Somehow. So the Yotes are going to play in an arena with 5,000 seats. 13 CHL teams will average higher attendance numbers than the Arizona coyotes. Oh my God. That's oh, average shit. attendance numbers. Shit. Oh my God. Yeah, man. Listen. But they got to be close to that already, right? Like, 
You would think. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, that's the sad part. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know how to feel about this. Is it embarrassing? Yeah, it's a little embarrassing. Um, it's the National Hockey League, and you're going to be sharing a rink with ASU. But is it also going to be kind of sick? It's just going to be kind of sick. This tiny little dump of an arena. Like, think about how the, how like if you've ever been to a game at Nassau Coliseum, like in Long Island, where the Islanders played for forever. To me, that rink always felt like an AHL arena. The way it was built, the way it had only like the two sections, basically just top and bottom. The way it smelled, the plumbing. Yeah, and it was a dump, but it was their dump. And like, you know, it's that kind of a thing where you kind of just get, you rally around the fact that it's like, or think about like high school hockey, right? Like Harrison, remember when we would play St. Paul's, you have to go to freaking Patterson Park. It's a dump. The locker rooms suck. But like St. Paul's loves it. They love that they play at Patterson Park because it's so fun to like welcome all these like rich prep schools into freaking Patterson Park and be like, yeah, beat us here. I dare you. Like there's something about it that's like, you know, you got to drag the away team into some place where it's like, really, we have to play you here and then they're just going to smoke you. So. I did see people being like, holy shit, we need a Stanley Cup final in Arizona while. (laughs) Oh, my God. What would the ticket price be? Oh, dude, I. I feel like they would somehow relocate them if that if that somehow happened just for the cup final, they would be for revenue. They would have to play. Yeah, they're playing at like where the Suns play or something like that. Like they would. They'd have to. So um, next empty betters road trip, I think, is just already decided it's going to be to ASU. Hell yeah. I. That's the last thing I'll say. Shit on it all you want. Business, revenue, numbers, viewership, whatever. You're going to want to see a game at that arena, and I promise you that. That is going to be a sick atmosphere. The set. best part is you won't remember how the game ended. No, you won't. And you'll probably wake up with some pretty cool photos. So <laughs> uh, let's do a quick Olympic update because that's heating up real quick. So uh, our ladies, the U.S. women beat the Czechs four to one in the quarterfinals. Then they took down Finland in a bloodbath to advance to the gold medal game. Uh, that's going to be tonight, Wednesday, when you're listening to that at 11 p.m. against Canada. So, you know, we're staying up for that one. I'm going to be so, so fucking excited for this hockey. I'm going to be so tired the next day, and I do not care. I'm so excited. This is like the peak of the sport of hockey. And I, I mean that quite literally, like U.S. Olympic gold women's Canada, U.S. is like These Stanley teams, Cup finals. It's going to be awesome. two teams fucking hate each other there is yeah. nothing friendly about this rivalry it is it is a war out there when these two teams play uh they have met in the last six i think it's like last six of seven or last five of six gold medal games or something crazy like that i still remember being in high school at calvert hall and watching the u.s versus canada women's game it would have been 2014 i guess and, you know, U.S., everybody knows it by now, but U.S. is up by one, super late. They go for the empty netter. There's like 30 seconds or something like that, maybe even less. They hit the post square on. It was like a full ice empty net shot. Hits the post square on, pucks lay in there. Canada goes, gets it, relays it, comes back down, ties it. Of course, cool, and ties it. Yeah. yeah, it was it's a heartbreaker, but that's how these games go between these teams. They're bloodbaths. I think there was another one that was like a one nothing USA overtime final. Um, I forget what year that was, but like either 
The most recent one was a shootout win. Like, yeah, the games either end like one to nothing or like five to four, but either way, they're always super entertaining and you will not want to miss this hockey game. Yeah. I mean, I wish it was on at like 8 p.m. or something, but I, I don't even care. I'm staying up for that one for sure. I kind of love that it's late. It's going right? to be fun. I love it. Uh, let's go over to the men's side. So uh, the first day of men's hockey was pretty good sailing. Harry, you had some good bets. I had some good bets. We made some money. Uh, USA uh, minus two and a half over China and Canada minus one and a half over Germany were absolute locks. The Americans took down China eight zip. They followed that up by beating Canada four to two, their first win over Canada at the Olympics in 12 years for the dudes. Got to love that. They closed out their group stage with a hard fought win over the Germans three to two, and they will play Slovakia in a few hours here tonight. A little bit of a trap game, in my opinion. Slovakia, sneaky good. They've got that 17-year-old that looks really, really talented. Uh, And then also, when you guys wake up and are listening to this on your drive to work, when you get there, don't do anything and watch Canada Sweden on your phone at 8 a.m. Yeah, just skip work. Right. Yeah. It's not important. Hockey's important. We all know that. (laughs) Uh, Three stars of the week. Want to run through these real quick, Harry? Sure. First star of the week, we got Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom. He was 3-0-0 last week with a 1.33 GAA and a .959 save percentage. Some pretty absurd stats. I think it's worth mentioning he's got eight shutouts on the year. That's double the second-place goalies who are Jack Campbell and Elias Sorokin. Uh, second star of the week, we got Patrick Laine. He had three goals and three assists in three games played. And then the third star of the week, New Jersey Devils, Nico Heeshear. He had five goals, one assist in four games played. Um, Markstrom for Vesna? Uh, it's At Igor's point, to lose. It's, yeah, I, well, I think based on those shutouts, if the Flames can find a way to actually like finish in a decent position by the end of the year, I think Markstrom could be a shoe-in for it. I also think that that well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but I like what they're doing right now. Yeah, the Flames look really good. Um, I think it's going to be a battle between Markstrom, uh, not Sorokin, Igor. Probably throw a couple other names in there. Um, Campbell was doing really well, but he's kind of falling off a little bit. Jari's still doing pretty well. So Soros for a little while, but mm-hmm. they're struggling right now too. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, before we do the. Yachtlander Adrian, I do want to kind of pump his tires a little bit here. So this coming Sunday, Nick, what's the date of that? The Daytona 500. What's the date? That, that would happening? be the 20th. On this Sunday, February 20th, uh, Yachtlander somehow persuaded the fine folks at Don't Know Tavern, where we had our season opener watch party for the Washington Capitals. Uh, he convinced the bar to have a Daytona 500 day drink, and he actually got drink specials to go on for the event. So want to use this platform that has so many listeners on it uh, to pump his tires a little bit. Show up Sunday if you're in the Baltimore Fed Hill area. You can get cheap drinks, watch some NASCAR, and probably watch him do like 10 different shoeys. So should yeah, be an entertaining he, time. He will do a shoey if you look at him. Just <laughs> in pit vipers. Yeah, course. absolutely. Um, like I'll be, be there, Harry. I know you'll be there. We can watch some racing, have a couple beers and just forget that we have to go to work the next day. So 
Yeah. Uh, with that being said, uh, summer may be over, but there's still never been a better time to get out on the water. Are you looking to finance that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of? Well, you're in luck because the yacht lender is a specialist in marine finance. With partnerships with 15 different banks, he is the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding with over 25 years as an industry leader, the yacht lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. Don't wait. Apply today at yachtlender.com or check them out on Instagram at yachtlender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Emily right now. All right, everyone. Well, it's now our pleasure to welcome on Miss Emily Morris, former Wisconsin Badger, two-time NCAA champion. What's up? How's it going? Wow. Haven't been introduced like that in a while. That's good. How are you? Good. We're good. So, uh, you know, we like to do this with all of our guests, but why don't you just tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, yourself, where you came from and how you got into hockey in the first place. So I like to jokingly tell everyone that I didn't really have a choice. Um, so growing up, my dad was a collegiate hockey coach at the division one level. Um, and then very, uh, not quickly, 15 years later, ended up, um, in the pro game and, also, I grew up in very northern New York, like on the Canadian border in a small town. Um, so I'm a quarter Canadian. And so I tell everyone I didn't really have a choice when you grow up that close to the border and also have a father who's in the game. But that's not true at all. I love my dad very much. Um, had an older brother who played and I was the sister that was anything you can do. I can do better. Type. <laughs> there we go. So love poor that. guy. To this day, we... we uh, we struggle a little bit with our competitive nature, but it's okay. He has two kids now, so I love him again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up near the border, uh, were you a certain fan of an NHL team? Like how, like Buffalo area or no? No. So if you go east, you'll hit Rochester and then you go up again. Okay. You'll hit my little small town. So more like Les Habitants. Um, okay. Yes. So... The Rocket Richard was uh, uh, my dad's favorite player growing up. So I guess I could say that ipso facto through him, um, we cheered for them as a family. But then, you know, we really followed his coaching from one team to the next. And all the teams he played for, we kind of bled those colors. So right, wrong or indifferent. (laughs) burned us in the ass a couple of times but that's <laughs> what what can you do right you ride and die with the family what can you do that's the game so who was yeah. your favorite hab growing up then oh see i i liked the rangers um because i loved adam graves okay i had such a crush on him um and brian leach i'm not really sure like where it came from but those were kind of the guys that I followed the most, um, they were the handsome ones. <laughs> or so my, my, my childhood brain thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Mac, I think you had a question. I think we interrupted yeah. You. I was just going to ask kind of fast forwarding a bit what she thought of Wisconsin. I, I'm not sure if you've tuned in before, but I live in Milwaukee currently. I went to Marquette, so not the biggest Badgers okay. fan, but I can put it aside for. That's Okay. <laughs> But I am curious just kind of what you thought of the school, what your experience was like there. It is one of my favorite chapters, without a doubt. Um, Madtown is an incredibly special place. I'm pretty sure more people came to watch Mark Johnson than they did to come watch 
the women badgers, but that's okay. We love him anyway. Um, it was just a magical experience really. And I don't mean to sound cheesy when I say that, but, um, my first year, the program was just starting to earn some ground and we made it to our first NCAA tournament. Um, and then my sophomore year, we, I think we lost maybe two games or maybe one game. Our, our record was insane. Um, and that's the first year that we won. So 2006, um, being able to repeat the, the second year, you know, it's, it's a grind. And especially this time of year, players of all, you know, pro collegiate, when you're in the dead of winter, it's especially in Wisconsin, (laughs) (laughs) it is not a fun place to be. Um, when you gotta be disciplined and, you know, make sure you're still eating well, training, stand at the top of your game. Um, but we were able to come back win a second year. So that was the, Oh, six. Let me think about this. So it was oh five, oh six, and then oh six, oh seven for the two years we won. Um, but the one that my negative Nancy self will talk about is my senior year. Uh, I was the captain of the team and we lost in the national championship game to Duluth. And to this day, they are the worst. <laughs> Still not over it. I hate them all. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, I'm curious, just kind of rewinding a little bit. What went into the decision to go um, to Wisconsin? That's a fabulous question. They weren't even on my radar. So I played boys hockey all growing up, knew I wanted to play at the division one level. The school my dad was at was Clarkson university at the time, and they didn't have a women's program yet. So St. Lawrence was kind of the big show in town on the women's side, but I really wanted to move away from the North country. It's near and dear to my heart. Great place to grow up, but I just wanted to see what I was capable of. And so my parents, um, found a way to send me off to boarding school. So I went to the Taft school in Connecticut, um, played with the Syracuse stars, even though it was logistically, I have no idea how this happened. It's all kind of a blur, but from Connecticut to play in Syracuse and bizarre. Um, but junior year, I don't know to this day how people select a college, because if you play a sport, it narrows it down. And it's still one of the most stressful things I've ever done. Um, I wanted to go play for the Gophers because at the time they were, I think they had just won two back-to-back national championships. Laura Holderson, I could be wrong on that, but I believe she was the coach at the time. Chrissy Wendell. um, Oh my goodness. My brain is so rusty. Those are some of the names that were there as I was coming up and that's where I wanted to go and my junior year at Taft they called me and said you know hey how's your year going and I'm like oh my god the number one school in the country just called me like the first day that they could start recruiting and then they never called me back (laughs) and so I was devastated I got a couple um offers from other places to come do official visits so I did an official visit at Boston College um it was great Um, the girls were awesome. I made the mistake of going to Wisconsin next. So Boston college was great. Very typical official visit from what I knew from my dad and his guys at Clarkson. 
but Wisconsin flew me out. They took me to a football game. They took me to a men's hockey game, to a women's game. We ate at the chop house. We stayed at this gorgeous hotel. Yep. And I yep. was like, are you kidding me? Where do I yeah. sign? <laughs> yeah, where's the dotted line? <laughs> ma, you, ma, got, ma, ma, ma. you got so wined funny, and dined by the Wisconsin nice. <laughs> I did. I got wined and dined by the Wisconsin nice. And I went home and I canceled my visit to Princeton. Which to this day, I'm like, could I be further along in life with a degree from Princeton? Maybe. Two but ships, I Ivy you League, all? you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have this story to tell you all, so. There you go. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, you know, you, you hear about the visits and sometimes that's all it takes. And it's, I mean, Madison's also a beautiful place too, so. It, um, it is a very special city. I'm not allowed to go back there because I turn into my 18 year old self. <laughs> There's nothing not, wrong. Not with a that. good look. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not those football look. games. They'll do it to you, right? They really do. They. Uh, that's an ass kicking. That's a sport in and of itself. Being a yep. Wisconsin football fan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what led to? You're a defenseman, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I was. was that- yeah. Is that just how it started or did anyone have any influence on that decision? So I have two, I'll tell you two things. So in Messina, New York, um, my family was very close with the Bogosian family. So the Bogosian family name that you might recognize is Zachary Bogosian, who plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Heard of him. So the Bogosian boys and the Morris kids, there's four of us and three of them. And we just so happened to go like this. So they're old, our oldest, their oldest, me, their middle, my sister, their youngest, my brother. And so um, Ike and Vicky Bogosian are like second parents to me. Um, and the boys were like brothers. And so the Bogosians always had a rink in their backyard. And we had some bloody battles, you know. It, it, it got a little rough sometimes. Someone was always either bleeding or crying. And in that process, Zachary was the baby. And my parents made us all take um, basic skating. At the time, it was just figure skating, but the hockey players did it too. So we were all pretty good skaters. Um, and I just remember like working with him to skate backwards. So I like to think my claim to fame is that I taught Zachary skate backwards. Um, but then I was playing squirt hockey with his older brother, Aaron, and Aaron was really, really fast. And I just, I was never the fastest. I was never the strongest, best, none of those things. Um, but I could skate really well. And so on my squirt hockey team, they put me on defense because I could keep up with the fast kids going backwards. <laughs> and that was kind of it. <laughs> that's pretty darn cool. So you um, taught yeah. Zach Bogosian how to skate. I, I don't know if he tells that story, but I certainly do. <laughs> we'll tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't end up too bad for him either. Just fresh off a he, cup, cup win. He's, he's doing okay, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we brought the cup home to New York. So we got to celebrate cool. with That's them. Awesome. It was awesome. I want to go back a little bit to a name you mentioned about when you got to Wisconsin. Uh, Mark Johnson, the original Magic Johnson. I feel like people forget that. What was that like, you know, 
did you like know who he was before you got to school and everything? Like, what was he like as a coach? Just talk about that a little bit. So the Miracle Disney movie had come out, I want to say right around that time. Oh, four. And I, I grew up close to Lake Placid. So I knew, like everybody knew the 80s story, but being in hockey, you know, it a little better. <coughs> Excuse me. So I know, I knew of him. But I have to be honest, it really wasn't part of the decision at the time. Um, his story was a little unique. He missed out on getting the men's job. So Mike Eves at the time and Mark, who were teammates at Wisconsin, were both vying for the head men's position. I couldn't tell you the politics of who got which job, but rumors were spread that Mark was upset that he didn't get the men's job and that he was given the women. That to me was never the case. So the coolest thing about Mark is I think it takes a very unique man to effectively coach women and that's nothing against men or yeah, that's nothing against men, but he never treated us like anything but hockey players. And that was one of the coolest things because his expectations or that we come, we do our job. We treat it like a profession. We show up as a professional every day. Um, and other than hockey players, I really think he saw us like daughters. Like he truly cared about each and every one of us. Um, and to, to just make a cheesy magic comment, like playing for him, it, it was a magical experience. It really was. He, I feel incredibly fortunate that I got the opportunity to play for a guy that will go down as probably one of the winningest coaches certainly has the most national championships at this point, uh, in the women's game. So. Did he still have the wheels? I'm sorry. Did he still have the wheels? I know he could flat out fly in his oh, day. Oh my goodness. He made us look silly. He would jump into our drills sometimes and I played with girls much better than I was. They were Olympians on the Canadian and the U S side. And he would just make us look like tools. It was more his hands. He didn't jump into skating drills often, which now <laughs> makes sense. Um, but his hands just, he would turn us into pretzels. <laughs> That's awesome. You mentioned earlier about you were the captain your senior year. And I'm curious kind of what that experience was like. Uh, and if you had any sort of specific captain duties, like were you in charge of music in the locker room or anything specific <laughs> like that? Oh my goodness. My teammates would never let that happen. <laughs> um, so specific duties. I mean, I, I would, I like to think that I was the type of captain that led by example. And I think that was a large part of why I was voted to be the captain. Um, I think at the time, it was one of the hardest things that I'd ever done, being the intermediary between the players and the coaches. And I was part of a small class and one of my classmates didn't dress often and, you know, trying to be a friend and a teammate, but understanding the competitive nature of the level that we were playing at. Um, but then also being responsible for the room 
um, from the coaching staff and having to communicate down things that weren't so easy to communicate and didn't always land well. Um, and just towing the line of, you know, being hated one day and love the next. It just, it, it was certainly one of the most important things that made me the person that I am today. Um, just experience wise. For sure. And just to kind of, you know, um, I guess as a big picture question, right. It's kind of hard to ask, tell us what it was like to win back-to-back national championships. Mm-hmm. That's, a lo- that's a loaded one, but um, I guess the way I would phrase it is, are there any specific memories that stand out the most in that two year run? And my secondary question would be, was there a big difference between the two runs? So I'm thinking too much. Ask me the first question again. (laughs) Just like, you know, try to um, describe like any specific memories that stand out. Like maybe there was a playoff when we were like, oh, crap, like we're going to do this thing. Or, you know, maybe a moment where you realize like this is this is going to happen. So I think one of the coolest things about being a part of a winning team both in season and then consecutive seasons is winning as a talent. So once you learn how to win, your confidence grows and the momentum, the ability to win more games becomes easier and easier. At the same time, it is harder because you grow the natural target on your back to be the team to beat. But it's hard to put into words the feeling you get if you're down in a game, but you still know you're going to win. It's, it's a collective mindset that I have yet to find in any other environment. Um, but I think it was the first, the first year we won, I, both years we won, we had phenomenal leadership. Um, the first year we won was so epic for the school because the men and the women won. And so Madison was just an electric city. Not that it's not usually, but even more so uh, having the two teams win. Unfortunately that year I had shoulder surgery right after the season. So I got like two days to party and then my mom came and took me to the hospital, but that's beside the point. Um, The second year we lost trying to think how many we lost a small class um and so a lot of the team was intact and so we were able to continue with that it wasn't win or die but losing just was never an option (laughs) yeah so you you expected to win kind of right you expected to win so every time you stepped on the ice you knew everyone was going to bring your best but in a way that made us be better. Um, The third, third year's run was actually, we carried that forward and my class was three people um, and we had no business making it to the national championship game my senior year, but somehow that mindset carried through to that next year. So I don't know if that answers it 
eloquently, but <laughs> no, it did. That's a loaded question I gave you. So I apologize, but <laughs> that's had okay. Kinda, had to kind of wrap it all into one, you know, but um, yeah, any, uh, any specific, you know, mentors, coaches, teammates that stand out that, you know, during your Wisconsin years, you know, really helped you develop as a player person, et cetera. Anyone specific? Um, other than Magic Johnson, obviously, as we've discussed. <laughs> <laughs> he was certainly, certainly there. Um, Jackie Friesen, who's an assistant at Wisconsin now, she was a senior my freshman year, but she stuck around as a grad assistant um, and stayed involved and then came back to coach. Um, her work ethic was just unbelievable. She was from Regina, Saskatchewan, I think. I'd have to double check that, but um, she just came with this like workhorse mentality. And, you know, that made me as a five, five defenseman where everyone else on the ice was <laughs> five, 10 and above, um, really motivated me to get my shit together. Um, Sharon Cole was the scene was a senior, the year that we won the first time, uh, to this day is one of my best friends. Um, and she, she really found the balance of the student athlete. You know, she was top of her class. Um, she's a big time pharmacist in Madison now. Um, and had more the, my style of play was more like, <laughs> we can not have as much talent if we have the right attitude. Um, not that Sharon wasn't also talented, but her work ethic um, just really proved to me the type of work I had to put in, in order to perform day in and day out and keep up with the big girls. <laughs> uh, speaking of some of the names that you played with, uh, two of the ones that have always stood out to me um, would be Megan Duggan and Hillary Knight. Could you talk about what it was like to, you know, play with them and experience them in practice? Um, goodness. So Megan and I, while we don't talk every day, still is one of my best friends. Um, she has two kids now. Um, I think it was for both her and Hillary. Hillary was a freshman my senior year. Um, they both coming in were a little like Labrador retriever puppies. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> so talented, so talented. But people might say, but they probably wouldn't say that about me my freshman year, but they came in with so much talent. It was almost exploding out of them to the point that it was like, <laughs> um, but I mean, they came in as freshmen stronger than most of the people on the team, their dedication to the game then and now, um, to, earn equality and, you know, not allow what everybody has to say about, you know, well, it's not as fast. They can't hit, you know, why would we pay women what we pay men? They don't draw the same crowds. You know, they let that just slide off their back and they continued to fight the good fight, um, still do now. And I think, you know, as they matured at Wisconsin, and that Labrador puppy grew into, you know, the loyal guard dog with talent, you know, not just a 
big body, but they were able to refine their skills. Um, it was incredible to watch. Um, you know, sometimes you just know. And as much as I wanted to be that, it just was never in the cards for me. That level of skill, that level of talent, the ability to get that strong, um, you know, just wasn't, wasn't my future. Um, and I'm so proud, you know, Hillary's there now. So proud of Meg's with, you know, being a mom and, um, climbing the ranks on the men's side with the devils. Like it's really, it's really special for me to, to call them, you know, teammates, but also friends. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anyone that says that you guys don't hit did not watch that USA Finland game the other day because those girls were absolutely <laughs> running oh, no, each other over. Physical right? Yeah. That was a physical game. They're letting a lot go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What's your perception on where the women's game is now? It's been something that I know that the PWHA has been trying to improve and publicize a lot more. Where do you think it stands uh, in your opinion right now? So I think, and it might be my opinion with all women's sports. um, And this is not my idea. a friend said it to me and I think we have to stop comparing women's sports to men's sports because they're different games. There are different rules. And I think the more we continue to push the visibility of these sports, the the more they're going to be appreciated. Um, You know, we can't just cheer for, the women's national soccer team in the world cup. Like, you know, we have to continue to highlight professional women's soccer, um, put athletes and commercials other than Olympic years. Um, cause I think that's where it started is starts is that visi- visibility. We're seeing it, you know, this year in the Olympics, um, you know, the first black female winning, a speed skating race. Like you never know who that's going to inspire and the next generation of athletes. Um, but until you see people that look like you more often, um, on big stages, I think they're going to struggle. We're going to (coughs) struggle. Excuse me. Um, but I do, I think there's a market for it, you know, and I say that because I can watch hours of curling on accident and I get really into it, but I only do it during the Olympics because <laughs> right. it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you build it, they will come, right? If you build it, they will come. But part of the conversation needs to be I at five five, well, Kendall Coyne, who, you know, could have competed in or did compete in the fastest skater race you know, different breed there. But I think we need to stop comparing women's hockey and men's hockey and women's basketball and men's basketball. Um, Because at the end of the day, the rules are different. So it's, while they're similar, that'd be like saying, you know, the downhill and the super G are the same because you have a mountain and skis and poles. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Either way, I'd still end up on my ass. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great Thanks. analogy too. <laughs> um, Did you have um like a specific women's hockey uh idol growing up? Was it, you know, Cammy, who was it? It was definitely Cammy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Hard to argue with that one. So Brandy Fisher is another name who played on the 1998 Olympic team who is from Brazier Falls, New York, which is right outside my hometown. So she was a, a, a big name. I'm pretty sure there's still a sign on the side of the road that says home of Brandy Fisher. Um, so just growing up there, um, you know, she was someone that I looked up to, but it, for me, I think it was, uh, Katie Stone who coached at Harvard. She helped facilitate my move to Taft my junior year of high school. Um, you know, she's always been a big proponent of the women's game. So names like that, that I think once you open women that have opened the door and they hold it open for the ones coming next are the ones that I want to emulate now and why, you know, I love coming on and talking with you guys. Cause I honestly, I never get to talk hockey anymore. Um, but finding a way to get involved, to keep the door open for that next gen and doing what I can to give back to help get women on a bigger stage so that we can build it and the fans will come. Yeah, absolutely. Got a lot of eyes on tomorrow's gold medal game between Canada, US. Do you have any thoughts that you want to throw out there? This will be pu- this episode will get published tomorrow morning, so it'll be the same day as game day. Like you want a prediction or You can say anything you want. <laughs> I honestly, I have no idea. That game is always a bloodbath Mm -hmm. and it could go either way. Both teams know how to win. They're both incredibly talented. You've, you have the best women in the world on those two rosters, nothing against the other teams. Um, But I think, you know, given the location in North America, um, I think college colleges are now bringing in international athletes to play and games are growing all over. Um, but I just, I think you're looking at the best of the best on both sides and I, I I'm going to cheer for the U S I'm going to cheer for the U S for sure. Um, good answer. But it's 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 like old school Clarkson versus St. Lawrence. It didn't matter who it's almost like there's three people in the game. So there's the US, there's Canada, and then there's the rivalry, right? So everyone's at the top of their game and it it it's gonna be a bloodbath. I, I'm excited to watch. <laughs> I mean, you think back over the last 25 years, this has to be one of, if not the best rivalries in all of sports. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. I have to say it. I hope there will be a lot of eyes. That's all I have to say. <laughs> a lot of eyes that, um, you know, if you want an exhibition to see women's hockey on the biggest stage, tomorrow is the game to watch. So I will make you make a score prediction now since we've got score <laughs> prediction. Damn it! We like to we like uh, to bet around these parts. So if you got a score prediction, we're all ears. God. First, for whatever reason, five three is what's coming into my brain. Oh, um, okay. U.S. Okay. 
Maybe okay. with an empty nutter. Okay. Okay. Maybe they actually hit the empty nutter this time instead of hitting. Oh, yikes! Yeah, yikes! Um, I like that score prediction. I don't know. I guess uh, I I think U.S. pulls it off. I I don't know why. I feel like those those rivalry games, those big magnitude games, are uh, low scoring. But I like. I would love a five three game, especially since that's an eleven ten p.m. Eastern start. I believe. Am I right on that, fellas? Yep. You got it. I'll keep me up. Yeah. We'll have our tired eyes on it for sure, but we'll, we'll definitely be tuning in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm excited. So are you keeping up with uh, NHL action action now? Um, do you watch a ton of current hockey? I am the worst and the best sports fan <laughs> that, it, that there is. I love watching, um, appreciate a good game always. I probably couldn't tell you any stats about anyone. I know some things about the Caps because I go to a fair amount of their games. That's good Um, or bad, depending on which games you go to. But (laughs) Well, I'm quite sure that I'm why they're losing because every time I go, they lose. But they've been (laughs) losing a lot, so maybe everyone feels that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'll, I'll take the blame. But in, gen- in general, you're kind of what are you up to these days? I mean, what are you uh, are you involved in any hockey at all or not? Not so much. So I'm currently working um, with a woman, Jesse Thompson, who mm-hmm. just started this all caps, all her initiative. Um, okay. And so we're, we're talking, you know, networking events for professional women and using hockey as a platform to empower women, um, be it former players or women who are just curious about the game mm-hmm. um, and then doing some youth hockey development programs where using sport as a program to encourage positive, positive body image and um, you know, teamwork, leadership, all the things sport gives you outside of just going to play division one or becoming a pro um, you know, the, the life skills taught through sport, I think are, you know, some of the most valuable and personally has gotten me to where I am. Um, I am a former strength and conditioning coach turned financial advisor, if you can believe it. (laughs) Wow. There you go. Help people reach their goals physically and now financially. There we go. I think I could use some help. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What did you study at uh, UW? Like, does it relate to what you're doing now or is it totally different? Oh, goodness. I am the poster child of the type of person that if you put your mind to it, you can do it. So I am a communications degree from Wisconsin. I like to think I'm a recovering dumb jock. I I realized I had a brain about, uh, let's see, four or five years ago now. Um <laughs> Uh, I loved, I loved working with athletes. It was amazing, but it was kind of the easy avenue, uh, for a profession. Cause I trained my whole life and I was like, ah, yeah, I can, I can do this. I like this. I like working with athletes. I like leading a room, all these things. This feels natural in that process. I was approached by some folks that own a financial advisory firm And I laughed in their faces originally because I said, I'm not good at math. 
I did okay in school, but I don't think so. Um, and they believed in my people skills, um, my ability to talk to people. So I'm like, yeah, there's that communications degree coming, coming into play. But they sent me to Georgetown. Um, I went through a nine-month intensive program um, to become a certified financial planner. And next to being a captain, becoming a financial advisor and passing the certification exam was definitely harder than being a captain of the team. <laughs> Absolutely. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's no joke. I have a couple friends who had to do that. It ain't, it ain't easy. I know that for it a fact. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. It took me admittedly three tries. Um, more common than people listening might <laughs> know. Yes, I, I hear that. <laughs> yes, but put your head down. Hard work is something that I know. And so I just nose to the grindstone and banged it out. And now my day-to-day -day is more talking uh, retirement and purchasing homes and those types of things rather than, you know, training for sport. But I like to think I found the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. That's for good. Sure. What about, uh, you know, outside of work and hockey itself, what do you enjoy? What are your hobbies, interests, that kind of stuff? Um, I have an 11 year old yellow lab named Bodhi who is my, my, my main man, he's the best. And then I have found a love of skiing. Um, okay. so growing up playing hockey, I never, you know, had the time to do it. And I asked my mom the other day, mom, why didn't, why didn't we ski as kids? And she was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, because you played hockey, like two of the most expensive sports, are you nuts? Right. Um, but as an adult, I, was able to go out with out West with some friends probably five years ago now. And I don't know if you guys know this or if you ski, but skiing is skating with bigger blades. Yep. Yep. So I picked yep. it up really quickly and it is now, um, one of my favorite activities. Um, summer, I love water hiking, pretty much anything outside. Um, love exploring DC's restaurants and love to eat and drink. Um, those, those are two, uh, things that probably shouldn't be hobbies, but become that way, especially <laughs> in the dead of winter. They're a lot yeah. of fun though. They are a lot of fun. You can get really I good at them if you try. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I would say COVID plus winter has made me quite good at both. Yeah. Um, but those are the main ones. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. It was, uh, it was awesome chatting with you. We appreciate you coming on, um, you know, wishing you best of luck with everything going forward and definitely rooting for us tomorrow night. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was lovely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks again. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime. All right. Well, I'm happy to come back anytime. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers. Take it easy. <laughs> Bye guys. We want to thank Emily for chatting with us. Awesome interview. Um, love talking some women's hockey on here. And just, I think it's fantastic to hear from someone who was not only a captain of her team, but a two-time national champion as well. Yeah. Huge shout out for her taking the time to come on and uh, great stories, great info. And also responsible for Zach Bogosian's Stanley Cup. So And uh, coach Zach Bogosian oh, yeah. to win a Stanley Cup is what I'm right. hearing. Yeah. We'll have to get his side of the story on that and see yeah. uh, Dude, yes. That would be pretty fun, wouldn't it?
Yeah. Uh, let's throw it around the league here real quick. Some injuries and updates. Oilers forward Zach Cassian's going to mix the ne- miss the next 48 weeks due to a bone fracture. Ouch. So not good in oil town. And it gets even worse because Duncan Keith is going to miss two to four weeks with a concussion. Not making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> you like the Kings tonight, Mac? Kings Oilers. I don't like anything that has to do with the Kings ever. Okay, fair enough. They're on the they're, shelf. They're yeah. on the shelf. Yeah. The Oilers are off the shelf for me. The Oilers stay on the shelf for me. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> no, no touchy. Uh, yeah. Speaking of another team that I will not touch, uh, Sean Couturier had successful back surgery and is going to be done for the rest of the season for the Flyers. Hate the Flyers. Don't hate him. Hope he you know gets better soon and gets back to playing. I know he's had injuries um, for a long portion of his career, so... Uh, hopefully he's feeling well. And then Mark Stone has been placed on long-term IR with a back injury. And following up on that. How convenient with the timing. Yeah. Makes you wonder. Yeah, with Jack Eichel coming back and Vegas being over the cap, but Mark Stone not counting towards the cap because and, he's on long And he's going to be out for a while. A while. I, I mean, he's know. really like, hurt. Uh, let's see, like uh, February, March, April, like three <laughs> months. And if he came At back least. during the playoffs, it and would be okay. What's this his cap hit? He could come back is, I don't know, maybe like late April, early right. May, something like that. And isn't his cap hit the exact same as Eichel's? Something oh. in that. Oh yeah. wow! Imagine that's that. weird. I mean, that's a coincidence. I don't know. Does anyone recall? I mean, they're they're year? a new team, guys. They probably they don't, they still don't, don't understand really the rules, rules right? No, like, let's just give them no. a pass. They'll be fine. For anyone who's not following along with what's going on. I would encourage you to do a little digging on last year's Tampa Bay Lightning and their salary cap situation as they and the year the before playoffs. and the year before. That's all I'll say. Just awfully convenient timing that Eichel comes back and then Stone goes goes on LTIR. Um, following up on that, this actually does suck for Vegas. Robin Lehner is out with a torn labrum. Oof. Could miss the rest of the season. I would highly suspect Vegas is in the market for a goaltender for the rest that of the season. That sounds like one where he could even miss all of the playoffs. Like yep. that's a serious yeah. fucking injury. It is a brutal one. So, Especially uh, for a goaltender. I mean, yeah, skating in sure. general, but have they couple- said if he's like out for that too, or if they're just like, they're just playing it day by day, but yeah, there's um, a lot of speculation that he could be done for this like entire campaign. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. I wonder if Mark Andre Fleury's on the block. Let's see. Let's see how that one ages. Nah, Just throwing that happen. out there. Not gonna happen. Uh, we had a trade. Uh, one of the big names that I think we all thought was gonna go at least around the deadline went well before it. Uh, Calgary sends a first round pick, a fifth round pick, Tyler Pitlick and Emil Heineman to Montreal in exchange for Tyler to Foley. A little bit disappointed here because I in my delusion thought somehow that the caps could have made a push for him, but um, what do you guys think? I love this trade. We've been talking a lot about the Foley recently. I was mentioning he's not having a great year, but it's because he's on a bad team and all that too. So it'll be interesting to see what bringing him over to Calgary does at this point, this dude's just doing this to collect all the different jerseys in the NHL, right? He's seriously Montreal, Calgary now played for Vancouver briefly. 
Uh, where LA. Did he start? Oh yeah, L.A. But where did he start out before all that? Wasn't he? Um, no, no, L.A. I guess is where he started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's racking them up quickly. It's been like four teams in like four years or five years or something like that. But yeah, I mean, this if Calgary can find a way to just and this has been their problem for the last ten years, but just stay consistent. Look out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they got him slotted on that third line with Monahan and Doob, uh, two guys who have been kind of struggling as of late. They're, I guess they're hoping that Toffoli can revamp them. But listen to what I just said. That's their third line. I mean, that's no – Sean Monahan used to be a first-line center. Tyler Toffoli on some teams could probably be a first-line winger. Mac. The Flames are – what? Yeah, I was just going to say that passes the third-line test. Yep. That, is, yeah. that is a third line that can that could be on a Stanley Cup-winning team for sure. And then you and look in the crease. Did you say the other one was? Dylan Dubé was, the, was also yeah. on that line? Dylan yeah, Dubé, Monaghan, He's actually a beast, too. So, yeah, I love that third line. Uh, I said Dubé by accident. Whoops. Um, I'll get a little more into the Flames when we get into the gambling segment. But before we hop into that, I think Mac has a word from our sponsor, SharpRink. Yeah, we just wanted to remind you that this season, all of our picks are powered by SharpRank. SharpRank created the first ever cross-sports rating system, ranking bettors from any sport on one leaderboard that anyone can dominate, even you. SharpRank is backed by some of the biggest names in the sports gambling world, such as BetMGM, Betway, and Sports Illustrated. Download the free app for iPhone and Android today. And now some gambling trends harry you want to start out yeah i'm gonna read these but uh, i'm gonna be honest i'm not doing too hot tonight things are not looking good for me on the board so hopefully we can turn it around with following some of my advice here uh hot teams real quick no pun intended but the calgary flames just mentioned we were going to talk about them they're eight and two in their last 10 they have won six straight games that is the longest active win streak in the nhl tonight or when you're listening to this yesterday they will take on the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have won three straight games, the second longest active streak in the league. So that'll be a good matchup. Uh, the Flames have 10 shutouts as a team this season. Markstrom has eight of those 10. Mentioned this earlier. The next closest is Jack Campbell with four. Their upcoming schedule, they've got Columbus, Anaheim, Seattle, and Winnipeg. All of those at home in Calgary. I think it's worth noting that they are 10, 4, and 4 at home so far this year. Who's the yeah. backup there? Is it Darth? It is Darth. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I was talking about this team last week. They they are really an interesting team to watch right now with this long homestand that they're on, uh, with the winning streak that they're on right now. They have a tough opponent tonight. This will already be over when you guys are listening to it, but talking about the CBJ matchup, those guys are kind of on a – little bit of a role as well right now. So definitely just keep your eye on the flames and uh, Markstrom, especially, man, if he's starting, they're a good team to pick. Have they been on like, I feel like they've been in like the hot and not category more than any other teams that we've talked about this year, just because they've been in both so many. Yeah. They're streaky for sure. Yeah. They they've been bouncing around a little bit, but they started the year off hot. Then they kind of, laid a dud around the same time Edmonton did and Edmonton just never stopped laying the dud. And now Calgary's trying to turn it around here. So they look pretty good. Um, other hot team. This is a ridiculous stat that I'm about to read, but the Colorado avalanche state in the obvious here, they started the first 10 games of the season with four wins, five regulation losses and one overtime loss. And since those first 10 games, they have 30 wins 30 
or, or, I'm sorry, 30 wins, three regulation losses, and three overtime losses in that span. That's 33 and three in their last 36, which is fucking wild to say. They've lost uh, six games since then, is the way to look at that. Yeah, they've lost six games in the last uh, 36 games. And three of them were overtime or shootout. So, yeah. So they've and, only gone pointless thrice in those 36 games since their first time. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. They're 9 0 1 in their last 10. No other way to put this other than that they are a wagon. I believe I read that if they beat the Stars last night when you're listening to this, they will break their franchise record for point streak at 20 games in a row, which is nuts. Are you guys are you guys sold on Kemper? Like is Kemper the goalie that's going to take them through the playoffs or are you still a little bit nervous about that? I mean, he's going to have to be. He's definitely good. I I wasn't sold when they when they went for him. For some reason I I had not I wasn't nearly as sold on him as like the rest of the NHL seemed to be when they acquired him. I think he's played well. I mean, no, no doubt he's played well this year for them. I, I do think it's an, a better fit for them than Grubauer was, but I don't know. We will see how he fares in the playoffs. I mean, he, I say he's going to have to be, cause I don't think they're going to go out and get another goalie at this point. Not when so, it's going this well. No, they're going to lean on him for sure, but it, only time will tell if he's going to be able to hold up during the playoffs. I think so. I mean, I think if he's playing this well now, I don't see why not, but you never know. Playoffs are a different monster. We all know that. Amen. I think if Matt Murray can win a Stanley Cup, I think Darcy Kemper can win a Stanley Cup. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, Corey Crawford, too. Yes. the Dwayne Rollison took the Oilers to the Cup Final in 06, just saying. That is also accurate. I mean, Colorado Martin, is good. Martin Jones is playing. <laughs> that is also accurate. That is very accurate. And I watched him in person get torched. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, and then... Pittsburgh, even though they're losing to Philly right now, has won three straight. Same with CBJ, uh, second for the longest active winning streaks in the league behind Calgary. Let's move on to the who's not. Uh, we actually have this matchup going on as we're talking right now. We've got the Predators and the Capitals. I'll let the other two fellas talk about the Caps in a second, but I think for the Preds, they're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. They're on a two-game losing streak. Their losses are all over the place. There's not really an over-under trend. It's not a home or away trend. It's just a mixed bag of everything. Can't really put my finger on it. Pete Weber got COVID. He came on our podcast. He got COVID, and now the Predators are a disaster. I mean, I feel so bad. Yeah, that's like an EB thump instead of bump. I like that. uh, And then I'm going to let you guys... Talk about the capital. Sorry, I see in giant letters, warning, rant incoming. So let me just turn the cup around to get the logo hidden for a second here, boys, because oh my gosh, things are not good. So Mac and I have um, we have our little therapy sessions together when the when the caps are imploding, as I like to call it. And uh, I think the overall consensus right now, Mac, correct me if I'm wrong here is that the Ilya Samsonov experiment is expired. It has not worked, and we are past this now. It's time to cut our losses and move on. I am in complete agreement with you. Uh, Of course, I say this after he just saved uh, 15 shots and held the Preds scoreless in the first period. So, of course, he's probably going to have like a shutout today just so that the Caps are like, oh, wait, no, he's he's fine. fine." But wait, there's more. 
Yeah, exactly. So here, here's a couple stats for you. The Caps have played 17 games in the calendar year 2022. They have lost 11 of those and won just six. That's not the worst, but it's certainly not good. And nine of those 11 losses were in re- regulation too. So we're losing points fast in the standings here. We're not gaining points in games where we should be. Shit's hitting the fan pretty hard. And in my opinion, I've expressed it to Harry and Nick, but in my opinion, the goaltending is the primary concern that must be addressed immediately because yes, there's problems with the power play. Yes, there's problems with the anemic offense at times or the inconsistent offense, if you will. But the goaltending is something that, I mean, you can't win games if you can't keep the puck out of your own net. So I, I currently have no confidence in any of our goalies right now that are getting constant time. And that's, you know, Sammy and VTech mainly we've seen Copley a couple times recently. And I have, I, you know, I would not be unhappy if I never watched him play another caps game again, but um, <laughs> Samsonov gone, get him out of here, trade him. VTech I think would be a fine backup. I think solid I would, backup. I would love to see the caps hold on to VTech as our backup goalie and go out there and get a big name. I want Connor Hellbuck. I don't know if that's completely crazy of me, but that's, that's who I want. I sent you some theories the other day. I mean, the, the other thing outside of goaltending is, you know, you said you can't win if you don't stop the puck, right? Well, you can't win if you also don't have the puck. And right now putting Nick Dowd's line out there, Anytime you need to win a draw is not a recipe for success. We saw it in the Boston game. You can't put the fourth line out there against Marchand and Bergeron and expect that to go well. I mean, I love Nick Dowd, super nice guy, hung out with him at the golf tournament, but it's not a recipe for success right now. Uh, They need to get so much better at the dot. It's painful to watch neutral zone passing just, oh dear God, it's it. I don't even know how to describe it. It just looks so discombobulated out there. I like that we're winning more draws now that Backstrom is back. Correct. I, I also, my problem is I feel like we need another center, but but we really don't. Like all, like we're not going to get rid of any of our four centers, but yeah. can one of them whose name is not Nick Backstrom start winning more faceoffs at least? Because I don't know, like like you said, if we don't, or you go get Kevin off, Hayes and bump someone to winger. Puck. Right, exactly. I don't know. Lars Eller could be a winger. I don't care. I would love that. We are throwing around some hefty names this episode. I love that. All of which, by the way, I hope everyone who's listening knows that the Caps cannot afford at all. No. The only, guess what? Guess how much cap space we have? Like less <laughs> than a million fucking dollars. It's a mess. There's nothing we can do. We're fucked. End of rant. Panic meter one to ten. One being we're fine. Not one, one is one is Stanley Cup is in the bag. Ten is yes. blow it up and sell the team now. Which where are you at? After we lost that Senators game, I was at like a strong nine, like a hard <laughs> bolded nine. I'll say like I was at a firm eight. I was like, okay, like nine. I feel like I'm starting to put like big names on the trade block, but like I would say a solid eight. I guess that's fair. I just, for some reason that centers senators loss really triggered me. I also, I also saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter about like how the cap should host like a players only meeting. It's just like, I don't know. There's, there's such, there's definitely a problem with this team 
and I want it to be figured out sooner rather than later. It's not too late. That's why I'm like so upset. It's not too late. It's February 15th. There is time to get your shit together and like make a half decent run at this thing. But you got to act quick. It's like yeah. those infomercials. You got to call now. Quick now. <laughs> yeah. This deal now. is not here tomorrow. You got to call now. And Hi, call, Billy Mays here with the Washington Capitals in just two easy steps. You could acquire Connor Hellebuck, <laughs> but you've got to call now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. If only um, it was that easy just for like, I don't know what, like 8 billion payments of $7 million a year. I think it's worth mentioning here that as panicked as Caps world might be, you are still 11 points ahead of the Red Wings for a playoff wildcard spot. And I think the Caps will turn it around. You're a veteran team. Do I think you're going to win the cup? No. Do I think you'll make the playoffs? Yes. And I was telling Mac this, Nick, while you were, before the episode started, you were up doing something. You guys remind me a lot of the first season after – uh, Flurry left Pittsburgh, where it was Murray and Jari, and Jari had, was still the backup, didn't have a lot of playing experience, and we gave Murray the the torch, and it didn't go well, obviously. Um, and every night it was like, who should we start? I don't know. This is inconsistent. And some nights Murray was good, some nights Murray was bad, and that's kind of how I feel about the Caps right now. Is like, who's your goalie? You're gonna have to pick one eventually. You can't just, you know. I mean, you still got time to figure that out, but But like we've seen what happens when they go into the playoffs, not knowing who their goalie is. I mean, that worked out in 2018, which was a total just, I think, you know, everything coming together magically. But, um, you know, last year there was goaltending concerns this year. It's clearly the same situation. I just like to see him address it. Yeah, no, and I respect that. And I think the other thing, and I, I want to pose this question to both of you, is at what point do we go Laviolette's on the hot seat? I don't want him to be because I, I really do believe that he is a good coach for this team. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess ask me again in like a week or two. I don't right. think we're there yet. But I'm in the same boat as you. Like I don't, I don't want another coaching change because I think that would be – a disaster. Is this his first or second season? Second, technically, right? I think so. Oh, was he an off? Did they get him mid-season or no? No, wait. This is Fuck. his second full season. I no, think. I think it is. Yeah, second, but like I guess because last year wasn't a full. Oh, uh, COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think you guys are there yet. Well, here's the other thing. I I'm not even that worried. Like, oh, we're not gonna make the playoffs. Like, I'm hoping it will at least do that. But I just like, okay, are we gonna just make the playoffs and lose to the fucking Hurricanes again or something? Like, shit? I'd rather miss the playoffs. Yeah, and that rate, like actually like, don't do even something. put me through this shit. Right. Like, that, <laughs> that Boston series last year was not fun to watch at all we sucked missed we the playoffs give me sucked. two higher up draft picks on the like totem pole i'll take that any day of the week i'm over. not trying to watch us start craig anderson against the bruins and lose in five like that is <laughs> just garbage all right well we're gonna move on to Brighton it's fine we're Pat. fine i'm fine everyone's yeah fine. everything's fine it's okay uh trends <laughs> uh the maple leafs you definitely want to be betting the over uh, with the Leafs lately, the over has hit in seven of their last eight, and it has hit in 11 of their last 14. I think it's worth mentioning uh, for prop purposes, 
Marner, Matthews, and Bunting have scored 25 of the Leafs' 43 goals in the last 10 games. For those who are mathematically challenged, that is 58.1% of the Leafs' goals in the last 10 games have come from those three guys. Mitch Marner's awake. He's awake. I think he's tired of hearing all the shit that he gets, which the Toronto media just absolutely throws him under the bus any chance they get. He's playing lights out right now. Uh, He's playing great hockey. Did you see that breakaway assist that, that he had the other night? Old school move. He used to do that in uh, London all the time, like come in on the breakaway, just drop it back, and then Domi or Dvorak would stick it in the back of the net. Yeah, he uh, he definitely looks good. Uh, and then just reiterating something from last week, Bennington, uh, we mentioned it, and I posted the clip uh, yet again, just a bad effort. The Blues played New Jersey last week, and they lost 7-4 in that game where Bennington started. I think he got yanked after the fifth goal went in. And then the very next night, the Blues take on the Blackhawks in St. Louis and Huso gets the start and they win 5-1. So I think we're starting to notice something here. Um, keep an eye when Bennington's in net. Uh, McDavid, he has scored in three straight road games for the first time in, since 2019. So McDavid to get a goal on the road might be a little hot trend that we're seeing here. Let's see how that ages as they take on the Kings last night when you're listening to this. Uh, and then I'm going to hand it off to Nick, who is – quite literally the king of betting the Columbus Blue Jackets. My friend, you are 7-0 and when picking the Blue Jackets this season. I am. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, did not take them tonight. Uh, just didn't feel what I usually feel when it comes to that team. I'm telling you guys, the bet with that team is plus one and a half. They play teams really, really hard. They play them close, go to overtime a lot against good teams, end up beating good teams a lot of the times. They did it to the Caps. Uh, They will absolutely do it to your favorite team as well. Another thing I want to look at is three of the most profitable puck line teams this season. St. Louis is 28 and 18. Anaheim's 30 and 19. And LA is 29 and 18. Just keep that in mind if you're going to be betting the puck line. It's always tricky to do, but I was explaining uh, to um, one of uh, Ari's cousins over the weekend, you know, how that works. He's, uh, he's a, He's a sports fan, not the biggest hockey guy. So I was telling him, you know, the spread's always one and a half. Got to love that, right? Uh, So, you know, just keep that in mind when it comes to uh, those three teams. Over-unders, the Oilers, when they suck, go under. The under has gone, or the total has gone under in five of their last six games. Ottawa, the total has gone under in 11 of their last 12 games. And furthering on that, the total has gone under in nine of their last 10 games at home. Holy shit, Nicholas. Great research. Thank you. Uh, And then last one, uh, the total has gone over in four of the Sabres' last five games at home as well. So just a couple things to keep in mind this week. Good stuff. Mac, go off, King. Very good stuff. Okay, one quick thing. I just want to point out the Philadelphia Flyers have played 16 games in this calendar year of 2022, and they have won just two of them. They won one game in February and one game in January, and that's it. And granted, they were back-to-back. It was like the last game of January and the first game of February, but still, like, what the fuck? That's actually insane. Uh, Now, that was just my one little tidbit, but now, who is ready are you guys ready for school? Um, Got your um, lunch is packed. Start the uh, TED Talk. Baby. I sharpen my pencil. I'm ready to go, baby. Pencil sharpened. Lunch is packed. Class is in session for live bet school with Mac. Okay. This is how to be a live bet god. All right. Listen up. 
it's going to get a little comp complicated here. I'm going to be saying a lot of the same things with like one word change. So just don't get confused. Listen up. All right. This is a bunch of info about how teams do after either scoring the first goal of a hockey game or allowing the first goal of the hockey game. Okay. So just before is, you start, this is like watching how the sausage gets made. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is this is some stuff that you should keep in mind when considering live bets in the NHL in the coming weeks. Okay. Teams that absolutely kill it after scoring the first goal. Okay. So your team scores the first goal and then they often go on to win that game. Colorado 30 times this year, they have scored the first goal of the game. They have won 27 of them and they've never lost in regulation after scoring the first goal of the game. They're 27, 0 and three after scoring first Edmonton 14, 0 and 0 after scoring first. I know Harry likes that one. I was shocked when I read this one, when the That's Oilers crazy. score first, they don't lose. However, they haven't done it that many times. They've only scored first 14 times, but when they do, they fucking win Carolina 28 times. They've scored first. They've won 23 of them lost three in regulation, lost two in overtime or shootout. Pittsburgh, Harry's guys here. They've scored 26 times. They score the first goal 26 times. They've won 22 of them, lost three in regulation, one in OT or shootout. So those are teams that rock after scoring the first goal. Colorado, Edmonton, Carolina, Pittsburgh. You see them go up one nothing. try and hop on a live bet for them. It might be shitty odds, but take a look at it. Now, Teams that absolutely suck after scoring the first goal. This is a weird one. You score first, but you can't win the game. It's rare, but these are some teams that suck at it, and it's not really surprising. Montreal, 15 times they've scored first, and then they're only 6-6-3 six, six, and three in those games. Arizona, 17 times they've scored first, and then they're only 7-8-2. and two. Seattle, 16 times they've scored first, and they're 8-7-1. and one. And then New Jersey has scored first 25 times. They do it kind of a lot, but it's kind of a toss-up after that. They're 11, 11, and 3. So all these teams, either 500 or under 500 when scoring first, definitely something to keep in mind. If they go up one nothing, live bet the other team, you're probably going to get that at decent odds depending on who they're playing. So that's a good one. All right, this is a good one. Teams that absolutely shred after surrendering the first goal, okay? This is a good one because you're actually going to get this at a good odds. If your team, if you're watching your favorite team and they let in the first goal, go live bet them. If your favorite team is St. Louis, Florida, Toronto, or Minnesota. Okay. Here's the stats. St. Louis 21 times this year, they've surrendered the first goal. And then they're 14, six and one after that, Florida 20 times they've surrendered the first goal, 11, six and three. Toronto, the Maple Leafs, 21 times they've surrendered the first goal, 11, 8, and 2. And Minnesota, 23 times surrendered the first goal, 12, 9, and 2. And finally, teams that suck after surrendering the first goal. And this one, especially not surprising. We have Montreal, Philly, Buffalo, Chicago. When these teams let in the first goal, they are going to lose. These stats I'm going to read just because they're pretty funny. Montreal, 33 times they've allowed the first goal. And when they do that, they've only won twice. Two times they've won. So if Montreal lets in first goal, 
They are not going to win, except twice they did. But other than that, they're not going to. Same for Philly. 27 times they did it. Three wins, 3-21 and three. Buffalo, 25 games played, 3-18 and four. And finally, Chicago, 27 times allowed the first goal, went 4-19 and four in those ones. And one of those wins was against the Caps, by the way. Of course. Of course. Wow. God damn. I love that we got like a good live bet segment in here. I think live bet is a very underrated tool. And Nick is usually the king of it. And I would say Mac does it more than anyone I've ever met. Actually, anyone I've ever met combined. Um, <laughs> so I, I like it. Mac, those are great stats that you pulled. Appreciate it, that. It's something to keep your eye on. Usually with live bet, it's more of a gut feeling thing. And you never want to toss a lot of money on a live bet either. These are things you should just be kind of sprinkling on just to see. Fives and tens. Yep, exactly. But uh, yeah, just some some food for thought there on live bets. And uh it's all about momentum. Exactly. I actually, I actually placed a live bet while you were talking about it. I uh, just took Pittsburgh plus 370 to come back against Philly. So let's see how that one ages. But uh, it has been a long evening here, gentlemen. We are done here at about 9 p.m. Eastern, hopped on at 630. So we've been grinding here. Uh, definitely good spending Tuesday night with y'all. But I think it's time to go watch the Penguins come back against the Flyers and let's see how your Washington Capitals handle the Smashville Predators and our boys do against the Slovaks tonight. Hopefully team USA can get it done. Uh, I also think it's worth mentioning. I was just texting with a uh, friend of the program, Mark Corderaro about the Rangers who I have some money on the night against the Bruins. Zach Jones is playing out of his fucking mind tonight. So that's a good sign for our boy. That a boy. There you go. But uh, any final notes before we wrap up here, gentlemen, Mac, I'm all good. I got one. Um, sad note. Hate to bring this up. Um, did lose a good family friend over the last uh, week or so. So um, just wanted to say a shout out to the Reed family. Um, Chris Reed, we miss you a lot. Love you, man. And just wanted to dedicate this episode to you. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Brand for the family. And uh, thank you to anyone who bought a, a Moneyline Max t-shirt. Really means a lot to me and my fam. Um uh, Still missing the still missing the guy, you know. Max is a good dog, and um, appreciate anybody who, you know, helped us out, helps the podcast out, and kind of carries on the memory of one of my prop my favorite dog of all time. So uh, appreciate that, and we'll see you guys next week. And without further ado, class dismissed.